0: Hey, this is Kevin Van Trump. I'm here with my good friend Carter Williams for another uh, Farm Tank edition of your outsourced ag CTO, trying to touch base on some of the latest ag technologies and things that are going to maybe upset, uh, you know, our industry or, or be disruptive in nature. And uh, we got some special guests on this week from Heart Bio. So, Carter, how have things been in your neck of the woods? Where are you at today? Hey, guy, good.
1: I've been spending uh, a lot of time. I was over at Benson Hill a bit. Over the last couple of weeks, looking at some of their activity, and uh, we just got through K-1 season, so the tax man has distracted us from innovation.
0: In in, in all seriousness on that, I mean, because I know I'm heavily invested. I know a lot of listeners are heavily invested in Benson. I know you and I have touched base. I don't want to go a deep dive on it, but um, what the hell are we thinking here? I, I know a lot of people after investor day, some bigger investors, opted to put more money in. Are you hearing the same thing or? Yeah, I think this is a, you know, we're back to the
1: 2000s a little bit in stock where um the original investors have a lot of insight. This is true with Benson Hill and many other companies where, you know, Benson Hill is a computational biotics, uh, biologics type company or bio. I'm sorry, computational biology company. It has a lot of compute. It spends a lot of money each year on AWS to, on compute. Not many people catch on to that stuff. And so um, the original investors understand where it's going and are very long at, but when you go to the public markets, if you go back to like 2000, nobody really understood what Amazon was doing or what Google was doing. Not like we understand it today. And it frankly takes a little while for the public markets to catch on to the things we know. And so I think that there's a lot of strong support of some of these companies in terms of the original investors, but but part of our job is to attract new investors. Um, I think agriculture understands the challenges in agriculture better than people in Wall Street. And so there's a question whether there's an arbitrage there. Um, but Lack of understanding has a lot to do in the equation of
0: whether there's an arbitrage. I still feel like there's two main things, just in a common sense way to play it on Wall Street. I feel like number one, they're they're lumping Benson Hill in with fake meat, plant based, you know, the whole impossible beyond story yes, Benson was attached to that early because they were the producers of some of the ingredients they're helping to produce the seed. But it seems like we've been lumped in with that as well yeah. as the whole SPAC debacle. And everybody's yeah. been on a witch hunt just annihilating these SPACs that came out early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shit, it's, a, you know, so I don't know if it's they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, but I feel like, yes, I'm with you. I think we're more an agricultural tech type company with Benson. And maybe if that story shifts or changes, uh, from the narrative of being associated with plant-based or being associated with just SPACs in general. I think those have been two big negative headwinds. And uh, hopefully that rhetoric changes sooner rather than later. I know I added a little bit more uh, for full disclosure. I think I added a, I added actually a little bit more the day we dropped a little buck, but, you know, I guess we'll see how things play out. And I'm a long-term player, long-term investor, so I'm not trading it short-term. So yeah, I,
1: I was reminded I did this calculation recently. I think that when, and some of you may, some people may remember when um, Bill Gates back in 1995, when Windows 95 was coming out and Windows was sort of making its big shift to the internet. So not many people remember this, but like in 1995, Microsoft just like flipped the switch and said, we're going to go full in on the internet. It was around when Windows 95 was coming out and he was on if you go and look at it you can see him explaining to David Letterman on the David Letterman show what was going on since that time frame, had you invested a I think a thousand dollars in Microsoft, it would be worth eighty nine thousand dollars today oh, yeah. in a similar way, I think I calculated, I think this was the number for Amazon. Amazon beat the S&P in year 12 of it, post IPO. And it was a 100X return, I think in year 24, 100X return, so well above the index. And so, it's sort of, I don't know how to change my investment strategy for that, but there's a lot of these things take a while. Oh, yeah. You know, the, today's computer was in the 80s making computer chips faster, in the 90s getting the internet to work, in the 2000s getting mobile to work. And then we started getting really new business models. And, um, there's a lot of reason in agriculture for agriculture to take market share from healthcare. There's no reason we can, we can, with agriculture, we can solve diabetes. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's going to happen. You know, I, well, we're investing with the idea that over the next 15 years, it's going to happen.
0: But just like your article you put out on Pepsi this week, uh, wanting to make the switch or the change to try and, you know, uh, I, you know, from their stack-based business to everything else, to try and become a little bit uh, more healthier on the food front. So, yeah, know, it's look- sort of a, it, it, it. It's a little
1: bit like Microsoft saying we're going to go into the internet.
2: Yeah,
1: like uh, we're going to be healthy now. I don't, I don't know what they over under. I think Pepsi. What did they say they were gonna, like? Cut back the salt. Um, we have an investment in a company named Bonumos. Bonumos uh, is an alternate sugar that's one tenth the glycemic index which means it's one tenth more like as likely to cause diabetes It's not exactly true, but it's sort of what it means and uh so if we can advance those ingredients then it and then somebody like Pepsi adopts it into their into their products they can deliver a food that still tastes really good but and maybe you then eat too many potato chips, but uh but we're gonna start seeing changes in ingredients. Well, we are seeing this. We are seeing in companies, we've got a company Brightseed, Bonumos, that we the ingredients are changing Benson Hill. What does Benson Hill do? They they make a higher quality protein that's easier to produce and can go into Beyond Burger. What did Beyond Burger get wrong? Everybody thought Beyond Burger is going to be a new CPG and have brand power and really just plant-based burger. And so its value error was not do people want plant-based food? Its value error was it's not a new CPG. So why you get beat up on protein folks? The other one that's come up there that is different than agriculture is you're either gonna build meal out of that soy or you make oil and make soy diesel. And we've got like this, I don't know if you know it, maybe you can answer this for me. I was talking to Nimix the other day is soy diesel will always be too expensive, but but maybe won't, or maybe it goes in the fuel mix, but the, you know, which way of those markets is, US, is the US could become the soy diesel producer of the world and all the everybody's soy is going to go to the, that and all the meals could be commodity or is it going
0: to be commodity a premium meal well it's always been in the past you know we traded beans at the board and in years past bean oil was just a byproduct simply and of the crush and, and all the money was made in the meal side of things well that's probably everyone's banking that's that may soon change and you may have you know where the oil becomes what they're uh, crushing for and then the meal becomes a byproduct which would hurt and impact ddgs and hurt some of the other things it, it's interesting to to try and understand how that all plays out especially if you look at livestock and will our livestock numbers expand with plant-based meat fake meat I, you know it's tough for me and and with more highly um, contagious pathogens of like african swine fever bird flu you know how's all that going to play out into the livestock as we move I mean, in terms of that uh, yeah are we going to be able to increase the herd so I'm, I'm basically right now i'm long copper i'm long cattle uh, i think there's a longer term story here in the cattle at least nearby um as we move forward it's going to be tough to in, you know to increase the herd uh, anytime real soon uh, from our perspective so you know, I don't know, I was on a call this week, some people trying to get me to invest in a, a new processing um, equipment for ethanol, uh, which would increase the protein levels of the DDGs and really allow more corn oil, which is kind of the gold on the corn side, more corn oil to come out of the mix. And it's interesting. I mean, I think it's interesting. I don't, like I said, there's so many different moving pieces on the livestock, uh, all the new crust facilities on the meal side, uh, or I should say the bean side and what they're trying to do with some of the new corn things, uh, on the ethanol side. So, I mean, all that, you know, it's just crazy to me and it'll be interesting to see how the new technology shifts or changes, uh, some of that in, in what capacity it happens. So, Yeah. Our general forecast, going back to your comment about
1: alt meats, our general forecast is if you, if, In the United States, we change one meal a week to plant-based. It's a 1,500% increase in demand for plant-based protein in the U.S. And so the way we sort of think about this is, you know, there'll be a shift in the direction. The other thing is, Benson is actually, it's another thing Benson is doing is they're coming up with a soy flake that gets intermixed in with beef. Actually, tastes pretty good. It it tastes it actually takes mediocre beef. They put in twenty percent soy. It actually enhances the taste. It it makes it twice as healthy or half as much saturated fat, and it's twenty percent cheaper. Um, so if you're thinking about like school lunch program or McDonald's, there there are opportunities to to sort of actually taste enhance the quality a little bit and have more of a hybrid where you're. You've got some soy in there and then and mostly meat. Um, so those kind of markets may merge, but the the combat our general viewpoint is the whole world's not gonna go to plant-based meat. There's gonna be some we're still carnivores, there's gonna be some combination of the two and
0: yeah, just make one it of the, one of the reasons I know we, we discuss it uh a lot in the trading world. I mean, to have a really good big bull market, you need really three things. You need the funds to be have some semblance that they want to be long the market uh, for an extended period. You need a good demand story, and then you need some type of supply side issue. So you got three cylinders if you look at it from an engine standpoint, and you need all three. If you get all three cylinders firing at the same time, you get a massive bull market. And so we're looking at cattle, and we're looking at copper, at least from my perspective. If we're going to go green and we're going to press this climate uh, thing to the max, which it looks like we're going to do, and the world's going to do, you got to believe you're going to have at some point. If we get past the global recession, you're going to have a major expansion uh, into clean space with automotives or whatever it may be. So copper, when you come out of a recession and into uh, or out of the recession, the funds typically from back when I was trading in the 90s all the way through, they like to get long copper because copper is kind of Dr. Copper It predicts an economic boom. It's what, you know, if you see housing expansion or, you know, commercial building, it's usually led from the copper uh, increase in copper demand. But with the new EVs and everything, the copper demand's off the chain. So you're really never going to – you're not going to be able to meet demand for probably some time. And then if you start to get into opening mines and those types of things, you get that pressure as well. We're interested in the cattle space and the livestock space. It's going to be difficult to expand the herd just because if they're going to pressure clean energy and climate change, that there's going to be a lot of regulations and rules and more that make it more and more difficult and more and more expensive to expand your livestock herd. So we say – the you know, supply is probably going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be limited. I think demand will remain, like Carter's saying. I don't think the plant based is going to devastate demand to that much of a degree, but I think your supply side will be restrained and you could have nice fund interest in the space as well. So, yeah,
1: you know, those are just yeah.
0: stakes as this clean energy tries to play out. You got to kind of think several dominoes there. So, I was talking
1: to an investor who has a lot of exposure to rural infrastructure, and they were wondering whether they need to pay attention to EV power generation in rural, meaning if more farm equipment's going to go electric, do they need to change power distribution in the rural areas
0: to uh, support that, which is interesting. That's the other one yeah, of those- I'll tell you what, Carter, we're seeing a shitload more acres go to uh, lease to solar. I mean, I'm telling you in the last couple of years, even. I mean, yeah, you're going to see a lot more farms, you know, maybe turn that over. And You're seeing more uh, Microsoft, Amazon, some of those people put their strategic, I guess if data, if data is the new oil or gold, so to speak, they're trying to locate some of those centers uh, across the Midwest and they're buying some huge farms and You know, barbed wiring around them and and putting their infrastructure, I guess, housing their data and their computers in the middle of the U.S. rather than on the coast. I don't I don't know. But we've had some farmers uh, report to us that they've sold huge chunks of farms from from Wisconsin all the way down uh, past Missouri and Arkansas. So it'd be interesting to see how much land's actually gobbled up from solar, like you're saying. And They're going to do more electrical type plays, EV things out on the farms. That'd be pretty interesting. So. You want to hop into Harp? Yeah, heck yeah! Let's uh, let's welcome our guest on. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Carter. We're going to kind of get this going. We're going to hear a little bit about what Harp uh, Bio has going on. I know a lot of Carter just told me and for me a lot of my friends and and some big producers and farmers across the U.S. are already early investors in Harp and seem to be uh, on the bandwagon, understanding a lot about what they have going on and. I've, uh, it probably slipped through the cracks or somehow I missed it, Daniel. And I, I, they left you out. They left me out. I'm usually, I'm usually getting calls every week, many, many calls for, uh, you know, to throw some money at some different things, but, you know, I'm excited to hear what you guys got going as well. Cause, uh, some of the people you named, yeah, the guys I go, uh, go out with and, and go to, uh, some sporting events and things like that. So yeah, it, it's interesting. I know I've heard the name and I've heard about your business. I just haven't heard the specifics from you guys. So. just for full disclosure i select as an investor in harp it
1: is it was actually fascinating the degree to which other people in agribusiness and farmers were early investors in harp and that there was a lot of energy behind it but uh daniel i you want to just i don't know if daniel or chad's gonna do this but like just give us a what harp is up to and what you're doing on the herbicide
2: side and just give us that basic intro Sure. And I think, you know, the reason why we're able to raise money and, and do it with the, the people we did, including you know several farmers, folks in industry, was because of the need and, uh, and what we're doing. Uh, and that's we're, we're developing bio-based herbicides. So natural uh, herbicides. We're using plant extracts. Uh, so the compounds found in there uh, and when they uh, are formulated, they become herbicidally active. So we're looking at things that are chemistry. It's just we're taking chemistry compounds from nature and creating new herbicides. Uh, these herbicides are uh, being able to be formulated for pre-emergence, post-burndown use, desiccation, uh, and in the future, and we're already working on it with the partner in Solus AgriSciences uh, in developing the herbicide tolerance components uh, so that uh, in the future, we'll be able to spray crops, not kill them, but still kill the weeds. Cool, and then
1: it's, uh, how did it come about? What, how did this get started? What? What's the storyline behind it's a Chad, that's all you. That's it's all it's out of your head.
3: Uh you know, the uh, the opportunity to work at, uh in industry as well as in academia and to my all my university work, uh really kind of opens your eyes to you know what's out there, what are the needs. I'm from Northwest Iowa originally, so you know, small communities, small farms, uh you know, the more interaction you have with growers, you hear the exact things you're bringing up today. There's a lot of headwinds. Am I going to make enough money? Commodity prices are they good? Are they are they not? You know, the cost to do business, buy fuel, fertilizer, a lot of a lot of things confronting them, uh, as well as you know the farmers in my family to to just make a couple of bucks here and there.
1: Yeah.
3: So we're constantly, at least, I'm always thinking about. How can we put together some technology, some science that can directly help a grower or directly help that family or something from that, you know, sort of bridge environmental side to make things a little better, Uh, a little bit more money, a little more stability, because there's plenty that you can't control, you know, when you're in the farming business. So you sort of keep your eyes and ears out and uh, learn about things here and there. And I guess about five or six years ago is when I first started to put together. a series of different natural products and, and different extracts. And Did you start with the
1: concept of being natural or did you sort of know that you use mint? Is that correct? Well, I mean, i have got a basket of different extracts and things. So did you start with the premise that you wanted it to be natural or did you start with the premise that there were characteristics of that? Yeah, I,
3: the, the idea was sort of twofold. One is it's difficult to go to regulatory agencies it takes time and money and to, to synthesize something new was not something I had a capacity to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also understanding that the greatest solution in, in farming, you know, could be X or Y thing. If it takes 20 years to get to the grower, is it really that good? You know, the sooner you can deploy uh, highly effective tools and, in, in, you know, at a reasonable cost and deploy them globally. The sooner you're actually bringing a solution, you know, great ideas. We've all had a great idea, but in order to put you know the harp team together, so we can put this in a position where we can rapidly move these products, you know, from a research and development side that we're in right now, yeah. deploying them, getting them out there for the guy. I know uh, Kevin mentioned Arkansas. They got some serious weed problems there. You know, and know, being they, able to go down there is in a short term you know within 9 months to a year you know once we make the decision or someone makes the decision to pull the trigger that's that's a powerful way to help change somebody's dynamic
1: and this may be obvious to everybody else but the the notion that if we use like a small molecule or chemical it takes a great deal of time to get through EPA and and people need to move on and that one of the one of the reasons we're pushing we are investing a lot in biologics is that you can speed that process up uh yeah. and then as we especially and maybe you can drill on this a little bit when you start thinking about selective pressure or the you see it's a lot of, with Vestron in terms of what we're trying to do with bugs that the the what you're trying to get is changing how it its mode of operation at the same time so you're also competing against that that the the weeds are getting more aggressive the bugs are getting more aggressive
2: yeah, you look at innovation in the, the ag input uh, industry, we haven't seen a new mode of action herbicide since Ronald Reagan was president. So you know, there's a giant gap in developing new modes of action. So And so we look at what we've done here, it's new mode of action chemistry to do just that, to take up the pressure off the, the chemistries that exist today. So it's not replacing the chemistries necessarily that we have, but it's a start to the future, moving from a synthetic world to a biological world. You know, the what Chad was able to develop, you know, these herbicides work as standalone products, uh, work very well, say for organic, uh, can work for regenerative growers, and then certainly in combination with existing chemistries today. So I'm going to throw out these wonderful tools, but how do we enhance them so we overcome those challenges that they're facing? And you know, as we think
1: about going forward, so this is the the roadmap here is you're ultimately probably going to exit to a major once you yeah. get through the certifications and such. So I.
2: Timelines-wise, when when might this be in market? Yeah, so our plan has always been from the beginning to divest. Uh, we've been working on this for a handful of years. We've really got one to go till we divest, and so we're you know, kind of starting that process now. You think about what we're working on. You know, the main the main compounds live on the EPA's 25B list. That means it's already approved to go into the market today. Uh, so you can turn around the the all natural versions of the product uh, immediately. So you know, from a divestment, you're, you're looking at a year or so try to get into the marketplace, so 25, 26. And then in the the practical application of
1: this, it would be done in more of a combination therapy type of approach. Yeah, uh,
2: I'll, I'll let chat talk about the, the need of, um, and the science, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, we're leaving it wide open in terms of how you how you do it from a, uh, from a business side. Solo products work just fine, you just need more of them. Uh, and then combination products, how do we take something like glyphosate that's used globally, wonderful chemistry, know add harp to the mix essentially reset it not just from the technology side but also from the ip side so creating all sorts of value uh for the industry again and so how
1: do you is that all going to be you think sold through a single company or or are people going to be mixing this themselves or what's the what's the sort of like the agronomists are going to settle that or what's that sort of in the market how is it going to sort of work itself out is there going to be Competition between and and cause people not to move quickly enough, or what? What do you think it's going to look, start looking like?
2: I mean, uh, our plan A is to divest the entire company to one, you know, one uh, major uh, to bring it to the marketplace. We have all the, the tools, assets, business components to to do that. I think then, you're, I think you're you're hitting on something. Is then how do they choose to to go into the marketplace? Whether they keep it for themselves and you know separate or do they create a licensing model or other ways to, to bring the technology on a, on a wider scale in different ways? I think, you know, I mean, I would think it comes out initially from a single company and then over time, but it looks a little bit different as it as it you know, we work, worked its way through the marketplace.
0: Kevin, you got anything that. I'm just mulling it all. I'm just thinking about it all. I mean, so you're really developing the technology honing in the, uh, technology to the best of, of your guys' abilities. And then it's gonna probably an exit to a nutrient or a whoever may be. Simplot Wilbur Ellis, whoever. And then they're gonna go direct. They're gonna go to market. They're gonna have a go to market strategy.
2: Yeah, not not thinking uh the retail distribution side, but probably level up the manufacturing side. there or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. And and Kevin,
1: one challenge we have on the biologic side is um you know a lot of these majors have a lot of distribution power which you know is scale and then and we always think about you know when we think about in innovation we think that adoption is the harder part we can invent I think when we were at the at your conference I was talking about when we put together that missile to take out Saddam Hussein in 1990 yeah. really quickly did it in like 60 days but. um the adoption side is hard and if you've got these really rigid distribution channels where nutrients has got product that they want to sell and yeah, it's a better product, but I don't want to disrupt my installed base. A big fear we have from an investment standpoint is, can somebody get into the channel? I mean, if a farmer wants to use this stuff and we have a startup like Holganix, uh, Holganix got this product, but getting that distribution channel opened up is something we fear as investors is how to really open that up. And we don't have an easy answer.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly why we have the business model. We have, we have that same fear that are, you know, how are we going to take them on? How are we, how are we going to find the space versus someone who already has that, that shelf space, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that's also part of the beauty of it is what, and Chad can talk about the science it's chemistry. It, you don't need a different machine it works with your sprayer you have today. Uh, you don't need to keep it alive. You don't need to keep it cold. You, don't, you know, It's just it's chemistry uh, and it and it works just like, you know, uh, labels look the same. So it works just like a farmer knows. He's uh, just got to mix it and go. Uh, so, um, Chad?
3: Yeah. And that's always the great fear. Right. Again, you find a great microbe that does something for your crop and you find out in order for it to work, it has to stay alive. Yeah, You know, we've all had microbiology class maybe in high school or college, but probably not such that we can grow some on, our, on the farm. So the, the goal was always uh, let's create something that you don't have to stand in one leg in the moonlight for it to work. Create chemistry. Don't force anyone to buy new equipment. Don't change the way that they're practicing their their current farming techniques. Just give them something that they can put in the tank. Explain a little bit how to use it but make it user friendly and then let them go. And at the same time we're doing that, and this started again at at the very beginning is that we were, um, at least I was very clear in sort of looking ahead, knowing that there's this thing called Blue River that was out on the West Coast that was gonna be a new sea and spray technology that was exciting. There was the drones that you started to see or you read about that were flying. And I think uh, first crop applications and for some of them were in Japan, Five or six years ago already so thinking about you know there's got to be a couple of ways that we could build a specific formulation for technology that's a few years away and have those things ready for the future while we're already ensuring that what we have now can be put right into the sprayer.
1: And is a different what crops are these those particular is this good for any particular crops or any particular environments or where do you think first launch is gonna be?
2: Yeah, so it's, it's really crop agnostic from the standpoint of, you know, we, we like to think about it, you know, we're, we're providing natural, new and natural tools for any acre, hectare, garden that you wanna use it on. It uh, just, just can't spray your crops right now because uh, essentially if it's, if it's green, it'll get damaged or it'll die. Uh, so, you know, it really is, if you wanna, if you're a specialty crop grower or you're just growing row crops uh, in the Midwest, there's an opportunity to use this. The, the easiest pathway is clear. Uh, and it's, uh, it's interesting to think about this first, because that's not how companies always think about it. But because of the natural products that they are, the organic market is wide open. Uh, those same products can be used in conventional uh, settings, but uh, organic acres, regenerative ag, uh, again, because we're, we're working with products that already have uh, review and, and for, for approval from the EPA that can enter the marketplace, uh, those acres are, are easy access.
3: Yeah, and, you know, some of your comments earlier, fascinating about being short or long and some different commodity things. And you know, think for a second, if you could grow five acres of organic corn and feed those to some organic pigs, what kind of a value creation is that just on your own property and a small piece of land? And I, I believe it was Cargill and ADM that have put forth quite a bit of money to convert some acres to certified organic to feed animals. There's, there's a lot of things out there right now that being able to control the weeds with an organic tool like we have, both from the soil applied side, pre-emergent, as well as post, um, that can really change the way that someone thinks about how they use their ground and how they could potentially interact within the supply chain in their
0: local area. Well,
2: well, you, uh, go ahead, Kevin. I mean,
0: is it Ombre certified or is that something you're working on or is it?
2: Yeah, it's something we're working on. We? Uh, we're in the middle of filing a, a series of IP, uh, so can't uh, can't file with uh, Omri yet because uh, we don't want to create uh, our own uh, our own problems with the IP. So, uh, but yeah, easily uh, we're working on that for Omri. Yeah, I know a lot of organic people seem to want to.
0: They kind of need that to some degree, and I know it's not cheap to get. And you gotta- yeah,
2: it'd be oh. nice. It'd be nice not to you know hand weed or burn things or <laughs> use machines, but really utilize the tools that conventional growers have been using for decades, right?
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I think that's very,
1: very good. And in in terms of the value proposition, we're covering this a little bit just in terms of organic, but as you think about it, does it create any new business models or new things that farmers should be thinking about? Like, hey, no, I'm just replacing my current herbicide and this could be more effective versus, nope, I I can now move into other higher value Opportunities because I've now got this in my arsenal.
2: Yeah, you can think about it multiple ways, and let Chad talk more about this from the science side. But you know, if we think about the weed resistance issues and what that causes in terms of land values, if you're able to control that seed uh, get rid of those resistant weeds that you, you've been struggling with for you know years and years now, you're, you're improving what you what you're farming. You're getting more yep. yield out of it. You're, you're getting more success. You're, you're headed back to where you want to be. Uh, and you can do that with the chemistries uh, that you, that you know and trust.
1: And is the cost in this particular case could be anything materially different?
2: No, that, that's one of the. I think one of the brilliant things that Chad has been able to do is really work on the formulations, and I'll let him talk about that. To a point where we're you know we're in the ballpark with traditional chemistry. Are we going to be you know cheap and cheery? No, we're high end. This is you know especially you know chemistry given given what we're talking about here. Being able to overcome these challenges, but you know, uh, it's it's not you know uh, not out of the realm of possibility to add to edit your management program. You, you think about it; you're making multiple sprays now because you can't control the weeds. How do we reset? Make less applications of those herbicides. Go back to where we once were.
1: And what's next? What do you have to get done before this is available? What are like the uh, roadmap? A lot of work to do. Yeah, just <laughs> start where is it you? Know, it works, and you have got to prove it. It works, and you got to get it approved. What's would, would the?
0: You know, I think. Let me, Let me ask a question. I know because there's a lot of listeners that uh, are also entrepreneurs. It seems like a lot of our, you know, bigger farms across the U.S. Guys are and gals are invested in all kinds of different things or have different businesses. W- what have you guys seen as entrepreneurs, founders? uh CEOs of the company. What are what are some obstacles like Carter's asking that have maybe popped up or
2: come up that you that you didn't see really coming? Uh well one from the very beginning was uh who's in the room. Uh so you know Chad and I coming out of industry, having a really good idea, showcasing things that are working. Uh okay do we believe ability of us? Uh so that and that's why we pivot you know fast forward a little bit. We brought in Bill Buckner, the former head of uh, crop science uh, and the believability factor of what we we're working on change instantly. So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, um, you know, having someone like that in the room, uh, his influence, his his credibility dynamically changed what was possible.
0: And then getting some of your, we call them Brandon ambassador, you know, some of your bigger, the Kip Toms and Harford, and the different people that are bigger farm operators across the U.S. kind of
2: taking a look and, and, and looking at yeah, Bill called his friends. Yeah, and <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah, I would call the network, and that, and, you know, it's the network that we didn't have, right? We had a really good idea, or chatted, you know, developing technologies. Uh, I'd say that, and early on, we learned that the hard way because uh, we we needed to raise some money, and that was a challenge. Right? Did, did you ever have one of those
1: days where, like, no, this is all going to go down, and then, <laughs> and then it turned?
2: <laughs> we still, it's a roller coaster.
1: Yeah. So, what was the what was the downest down on that roller coaster and the uppest up?
3: That was probably more from my side. Yeah. No, it's you know, the, there's uh, there's nothing quite like you know when you try to go put some things together and pitch and you go to talk to someone or a group and you're doing everything you can to explain what you have and why it's relevant uh, for any of the you know the patents that we have or filed. And it's, I don't want to say it's like soul crushing, but it's extremely disheartening to have someone not, completely not understand the science, which, which is actually in many respects okay, but the business model. You know, there's a lot of people we dealt with uh, in the first stage that simply didn't understand agriculture. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's business, but it's a different business. It's not structured quite the same way. And trying to communicate why, you know, growers need this. This is a big deal. It will get adopted. It will, you know, that's hard because it feels like, you know, all the work experience and you know, all the things you've done to kind of get to this point to bring something to fruition. Um, you know, the people that are out there in terms of the end use customer don't, don't get it. And so that's, you know, the challenge is to go back, rethink how you communicate, rethink how you structure. Is something wrong with the business model?
1: Do Did you, you have a moment where you just thought it was all going to go downhill and you were just going to blow it? Ooh. No?
3: No, not really. I mean, not in the <laughs> sense that, you know. And what I, was the greatest moment of glee? I don't know. There, there's been several. Okay, <laughs> exactly. You know what I was going to say is, I, I think if you're if you have an entrepreneurial mind, just like if you're a salesman, you're always kind of a salesman. If you're an entrepreneur, you always kind of have that that you know, click in your head. So, some things are going to work, and some things are not. You just battle and grind and push your way through, and and there's other ideas and other people that you can work with to help that entrepreneurship continue to to go and. Yeah. You know, it's just like farming. you know, you're going to do it and you're going to do it every year. You're going to get hail one year. You're going to get some strange bug one year. You just this is what you do and you go do it.
2: Yeah, I think there was a big moment, a few big moments of realization of what we had in our hands. Uh, you know, the first time we ran trials where it was a heart product by itself against glyphosate uh, and you watched the pigweeds die that glyphosate couldn't kill on the plot next to it is pretty there was a lot of wow right that day um, the day the first formulation prototype formulation went out in a drone and we saw that go across the field come back in two weeks and weeds were dead that's pretty cool um, and this last just a handful of days ago when we closed the round and ADM was our biggest investor that's significant uh, and that was, that was, you know, a big day to celebrate. So we, you know, there, there there's been a lot of milestones, but the Chad's point, it's been, you know, there's never been a day where we said, we looked, you know, we work in the same office, probably too close to each other. Uh, but no, there's never been a moment where we said, Hey, you know, we're going to stop. Uh, it's been, we believe this, and we're going to keep ticking through. Uh, you know, the first formulations cost thousand bucks an acre to spray, but they killed weeds and they were a new mode of action. It's now just And I say just, but working through the steps to get to the other side of this now fits into the parameters of agriculture, 20 GPA, you know, a kilogram per acre. This this is now a viable product, but it took a heck of a lot to get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of our entrepreneurs and founders, I I think go through a lot of the same trials and tribulations uh, without question. I think some of the Things I invested in that looked the best on paper, you know, ended up oftentimes being the most disappointing. And some that I thought, you know, some of the things I thought, eh, this probably is never gonna make it. And shit, it ended up it ended up doing the best. So I, you know, I think it is definitely uh, the up and down roller coaster rides, like you guys have said. And it's you just don't know. There's a lot of that's why
1: you had to diversify your investments. Oh, you're right, Carter.
0: Carter preaches that all the time to myself. And, I preach it to, uh, my kids. I think, you know, if you're going to invest in startups, like I think Andy and some of the other guys, I mean, they invest in almost everyone that comes down the pipe, uh, through Carter just because like car says you just shit. You just don't know. I mean, things can twist and turn government policies, regulation. You, you just don't know. So yes, I, I do believe there's a place in a lot of people's portfolio, uh, especially, uh, People who are fairly wealthy. I mean, that you got to be diversifying into into the startup space, and you know,
1: right. that's great. Right. Did, it, did anyone have the corner on the board with like we're gonna have COVID and then Russia's gonna get, invade Ukraine? I don't know if anyone
2: had that. No. <laughs> that no. My bingo card. At the same time, you know, we work with our team and put a plan together. Uh, you know, we, we, we're really proud of the team we have uh, and sat down with them and mapped out what we're going to go do and then go do it. And we, you know, we feel we have a really good plan and see it to fruition. That's helped. It hasn't been, you know, it's been <clears throat> steady as we go working that plan, adjusting obviously as we need to, but it's been, Hey, let's sit around the table and let's develop a really, really good plan. Cause we've got some really great people in the room.
0: Well, let me ask you something, Daniel Chet, is there any way producers can get involved with you guys now? Are you looking for people to do test plotting, are you looking for anything that listeners could be a part of at this time, or just
2: not just yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're always welcome to talk to, to folks who want to do some some field testing with us. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, you know, we're we're doing trials on a global scale. Um, uh, We've we started already. Counter season work is almost done down in Argentina and Brazil, Honduras. Uh, we're going to be kicking off in Europe later this year. Uh, bulk of the work is about to start in the U.S. Uh, so always welcome to discuss, get grower feedback and thoughts, making sure we're not missing something because at the end of the day, it's, it's, they're the end use customer. Um, so conversations are always welcome, always helpful, get, get thoughts. What are their challenges? Make sure we're thinking about this the right way. That's probably the best help we can get from, from those folks that do the hardest job on the planet.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Cause we've seen in the past with some of the early investments some products seem to have just worked better on certain soil types, certain regions of the nation, certain, you know, you know, we were getting good feedback in different places when we were doing different trials. So yeah, it's interesting to see it all come in.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, it's exciting. It's, you know, it's broad spectrum. It should work on, you know, there's no silver bullet. It's not gonna work everywhere on every weed, uh, but you know, what, what's been put together is, uh, is, is gonna, you know, really, uh, we believe make a difference in, uh, in agriculture. Yeah, yeah, and we just keep
0: hearing more and more talk about the problems with glyphosate. You know, it's just, uh, you know, weed, weeds are becoming uh, intolerant to it. So it's just, yeah, need to, we got to find something for sure. So, perfect. Carter, any other questions? or No, I think
1: it's, uh, we're ready to get it. Yeah. To, uh, no, I agree. If anybody wants to come buy them early,
2: yeah. we don't want that. So we we got, we uh, brought uh, brought an investment bank on. We're putting the pieces together to go uh, have those conversations. Do not mind, uh, you know, early active bidders. So.
1: Yeah, we're still in a world where to bring better technology to market, it takes years, and uh, we're always trying to speed that up. And the next step is probably to get even more farmer engagement, which is something we're always we with Kevin that that we always try to do. And Kevin's been very helpful in that regard. So if anybody's interested, let's reach out and maybe we can help you
0: speed up. Cool. You guys seen anything else when you're out traveling about that's interesting on the ag tech side anything new that's uh game changing
2: you guys were looking at. Uh, I, did see one at the uh, World Agritech out in California when I was there, uh, I'm gonna draw a blank on the name, but it was a uh, small pheromone company, so insects, uh, but they were tapping into not the uh, um, mating side of things, uh, it was into a, into a different area and it was just, uh, it was pretty neat how they were taking just a different approach than I've seen everybody else take. Cool. Yeah, I can
0: see that for sure coming down. Is that conference worth going to? Do you like that out there, that World Ag Tech panel? Yeah. Uh, I,
2: I enjoyed it. It was an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. You know, we didn't make Chad go. He was still working in the labs, still, still yeah. focusing on the R&D side. Uh, but good conference talk to a lot of people. Uh, it's probably a, a big now, so you've got to work hard to to make it worthwhile. Uh, it's not as intimate as it once was. I've never been out to it. Carter, you've gone? Couple yeah, things. I just went.
1: It, it it for me, it was fan- I didn't go to a single presentation. I just spent my time meeting wow. people, and it was very helpful. And the the nighttime parties were nice,
2: so it was. It was yeah, dinners good. good. Wine was free. Um, I will say, I did. You know, I didn't go to a lot of the presentations either. It was those sidebar conversations, make sure you're finding and, and talking to the right people. However, I did did go to Chuck Magro's opening uh, session, and, and I really enjoyed the picture of agriculture. He painted the future vision that he saw uh, for, for agriculture and his company. So I, I appreciated that quite a bit. Yeah. Perfect. Well,
0: Gardner, maybe till next time. What else we got? Anything, buddy? I think that's
2: it. Uh,
1: and then uh, we got to make sure that you come out to that conference next year.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I need to get out to that for sure. So, and we do still have our, the rolling fund still open, correct? For
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rolling fund is open. I uh, probably close around late June. Things are starting to pick up. Eva has been very busy with that. Okay. Uh, we fiddled a little bit to send out notices, but if you go to I fund.com and go to the front page, there's a an image there. You can click on it, but we've, we have a bunch of money committed And I know everybody's out in the field planting, but uh, we would like really this to all be producers and farmers investing. So we can take a total of 250 investors. And so if you're interested in investing in 20 tech startups and ag tech, go to our website.
0: Yeah, perfect. That sounds good, buddy. So. Exciting! We'll do uh, wrap this thing up and uh, look for the next one. So I'm in New yep. York. I'm in New York next week. You traveling anywhere, Carter?
1: I am gonna be up at S2G's conference uh, around May 10th, uh, and then gonna spend some time up in Michigan. But uh, oh, yeah. and DC and the boat out? maybe take the boat out. I don't know what's gonna happen. I gotta varnish the boat. Oh but, shit! And then I gotta go to DC in June, so I'm not sure I've gotta. Get inoculated for
0: that, Chad Daniel. Where are you guys? I know Chad, you said you, you're in Iowa.
3: Well, I'm in North Carolina, but uh, okay. yeah, I will, I will be back in the Midwest. I've also got we've got 16 locations around the U.S. We have field trials in seven, eight places in Europe and the UK. They'll try cool. to go on a little tour for a couple Make of a weeks. Tour, Daniel. Weeds.
0: Get go and look at weeds. Right on. Right on, guys. So perfect. Well, that's all we got. Uh until next time, Carter. Yep. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, Chad. Thank you for being so on. Much. All right. See you guys. Cheers.